for the first down and still on his feet. RG3 is going to outrace everybody. Roethlisberger looks, crosser, grab, he caught it, fights to the goal line, breaks the plane, touchdown Pittsburgh! That might win them the division! And the handoff to Tomlinson, left side, and he will gallop into the end zone! Charger fans are witnesses to history! What is going on guys? We are back once again today. We've got the seventh ranked Chargers. If you couldn't tell by the thumbnail, Mitchell's wearing a jersey to make sure that you know. And this is actually his favorite team, unlike a few, like a week ago when he wore a Marshall and Lynch jersey. I'm sure a lot of you thought he was a Seahawks fan. Not actually the case. He is a bandwagon Chargers fan. Now that the Seahawks were looking like they weren't going to be very good. So when they drafted Herbert, Mitchell picked up with the Chargers, bought the jersey. So you come on the show. Mitchell, how are we doing? Yeah, definitely had to clear the air there. Definitely not a Seahawks fan. I definitely wasn't around for the 2010 season of pain for the Chargers and every year of pain for the Chargers. I'm definitely just a closeted Seahawks fan. That's all it is. But I'm just glad to be here at seventh. I personally, I rank us much higher, obviously, even though I didn't put us much higher in our personal. Let's see how much higher can you get. I didn't want to sway it too much. I was like, I talked you guys up enough about them that it's probably going to happen naturally. But <laughs> I only, I think I only put us at six in our rankings. But, hey, yes. the, people just, the people chose us at seven, and the people want more of the Chargers. So we got to give it to them today. Yeah, I guess, I guess we're going to be forced into giving it to them. Uh, <laughs> we did, obviously, if you watched the episode, you're a great person. And if you haven't, you're not. Uh, but we talked about we had a little vote going on uh, between the Chargers and the Dolphins because of the Jalen Ramsey injury. We had to move them back a little bit. We were torn between the Chargers and the Dolphins. So we left it up to you guys. You guys chose the Chargers. The Dolphins episode's already out. And again, go watch it. And if you haven't watched all of the other episodes, go carve out like a nice, I don't know, Yay. 20 hour span and just go get that done. You can watch them on 1.25. Like, I'm not, I'm not the judge of that. I won't. I won't be upset. But just go watch all of them all the way through. Like, comment, subscribe. Uh, tell your friends. Like on Instagram. Do anything. Send me money on Cash App. Um, I'm a college student now, so if you just want to Venmo me, um, just show your support. You know, we we love you guys. Um, drop the Cash Apps in the comments. <laughs> yeah, drop your Cash Apps in the comments. We won't do any Cash App methods using your username. Um, we're going to hop into this Chargers episode today, and per usual, we're going to start with the quarterback position, where we have our highest-ranking quarterback yet, coming in at number four. It is Jay Herbo. Been a very good career so far for him. Uh, comes in, wins Rookie of the Year, looked like the best rookie quarterback we've seen in a very long time, um, and has put up... Stats on stats on stats. He, I believe, almost got up to like four. What did he finish with? Forty-seven hundred yards this year, or something around there. Or was he forty-seven twenty-five? I think. He knows the number exactly. Such a nerd. Thanks. Um, but I, I think um, finish. You know, statistically, he's been great. Uh, the drawback on him has been the team success, which you can't entirely put on him. But that's like been kind of the conversation, you know, Emmanuel Acho calling Justin Herbert a social media quarterback because of all the tools as opposed to, you know, the actual results on the field. But, I mean, the results are there. Statistically, he's been one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL since coming into the league. 
um, there was definitely an argument at one point in time of like, is he the number two behind Mahomes? Like, is he better than Joe Burrow? Is he better than Josh Allen? You know, that varies based on the year. As of right now, clearly us as a blitz pod consensus, we're not quite there quite yet, but I would not be surprised if he puts himself at that number two spot, maybe even makes a run at that number one spot by the end of the season. Who knows? But I will kick it over to you because you are probably going to talk for like the next 20 to 25 minutes. No, I feel like most of the things about Herbert have been stated. I mean, he still managed to put up numbers last year with fractured rib cartilage that took probably two months to recover and then a torn labrum at the end of the season and still managed to put up what he did with having a combined four games, not even four full games, of Keenan Allen and Mike Williams on the field together. He was missing all of his weapons. We got down to the nitty-gritty against the 49ers. We didn't have Gerald Everett. We didn't have Mike Williams. We didn't have Keenan Allen. We didn't have Jalen Guyton. We were missing Rashawn Slater. We were literally throwing out practice squad players and kick returner DeAndre Carter and expecting it to work. And, of course, we lost the 10-point lead in that game, which is typical Chargers fashion. But, I mean, what can I say about him? He's a great quarterback. He plays through everything. And, honestly, after you talked about your rankings, I did, like, a quick calculation, and you would put him where you said you probably would have put him in retrospect. He would have passed the guy just ahead of him in our rankings in a little bit because one Blitzpod member's entirely too low on a team that's coming up. But what can I say about Herbert? He's earned every bit of this contract. He's putting this team on the back behind lackluster defense, to say the least. Uh, through his first three years, the most points against a quarterback in their entire career. I know there's an extra game for these past two years. But he also didn't play in the first game of his career before Tyrod Taylor got his lung punctured. So there's only one extra game on top of that compared to every other quarterback that would qualify for the category. So I think the statistics stuff is a little overblown if you try to bring up, oh, he's had more games than other people. Only one. Yeah, and that... I often think about what would have happened if there was a qualified doctor there at that moment in time. Oh, dude, I was... The oh, rib I fracture. I was like, no, 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 no. This is happening all over again. I, re- I remember you texting me when I told you that Herbert's going because I, I don't know if you were at work or where I was you at were, work. but I texted you. I was like, dude, Herbert's going in. You were like, what? Why? 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 You were like so worried, and I mean, I didn't think obviously, he was ready. I, and that was his thing. Like he had a really good, I believe it was a really good junior year, or it was whatever the year before he came out was. He had a really good season. Was probably projected to be the number one pick, you know, right up there with Tua. Just wasn't Oregon wasn't having team success at that time. Uh, and then he really doesn't play well in the year he co- before he goes out, uh, before he goes into the NFL. Drops to six. I mean, it's not like he fell out of the first round or anything. Being the sixth overall pick is an accomplishment for quite a few people. But um, falls to the Chargers here in a down year uh, after Philip Rivers leaves. They get their franchise quarterback and. I mean, you've, you're feeling better than 28 other teams in the NFL because you drafted this guy. So congrats, I guess, you Ooh. bitch. Um, but look, I, like I said, I love – Yeah, I that's mean, that's, I guess that's just what you guys do. I mean, you went on a run of back-to-back drafts of Justin Herbert and Rashawn Slater, right? He was 2021. Um, mm-hmm. So – I'm not going to say Rashawn Slater's on track for the Hall of Fame, but I definitely think that Justin Herbert is. Like, I don't think that's crazy to say. I know he's in year three, but 
it, it, things would need to go pretty poorly here for him not to at least be in consideration by the time things are done. If he can keep on to this pace, I mean, you definitely have your franchise quarterback. They just made him the highest paid player in NFL history. Very few points in history has a guy been made the highest paid player in NFL history and not ended up making the Hall of Fame down the road. So I uh, I think you are going to have a lot of – yeah. Uh, yeah. All right. That well, one. You didn't need to say that, man. I'm trying to support your quarterback. Just fucking let me do it. All right. Moving on to the playmakers. Hey, he said four. That's all we need. Yeah, true. Okay. Uh, another really high-ranking group here. We have the Chargers at five and the Playmakers, and you look at these names and you see why. Austin Eckler is the big guy up here playing the air guitar uh, for good reason. Has been one of the best running backs in the NFL for the last few years now, not specifically for his running ability, but really for his pass-catching ability and his ability to be a wide receiver for them when these other wide receivers aren't here. Uh, he's been relatively durable if i'm not mistaken and see like i feel like he hasn't like missed a game in like the last two he, or three seasons he had a bad hamstring strain when sam happened to have him of course mm-hmm. he missed i think six or eight weeks he went on ir no was a really bad really? hamstring strain that's the only thing he's had outside of that how was that two years ago it was the 2020 season because okay, we were so running out ago. garbage with yeah. herbert the year and that was Herbert. Yeah, I was about to say that was Herbert's rookie, rookie year. But when he's on the field, has been one of the most consistent options in the NFL, especially if you're talking fantasy uh, purposes. Probably the best running back in the last two or three years. You maybe put Christian McCaffrey in that conversation, but especially as far as consistency goes, Austin Eckler's been the guy. Uh, then you go look at this wide receiver room. Definitely one of the best trios in the NFL. You add Quentin Johnson into this great duo uh, as a first round pick compliments them really well you got mike williams here who is again if we're talking fantasy purposes is your stereotypical boomer bus guy it's 20 or two every week with mike williams uh and then you have keenan allen here who's really been mr steady uh getting up there is 31 now so maybe quentin johnson obviously not a one-for-one replacement with keenan allen you know talent level play style anything really but I think Quentin Johnston was much more of like insurance of like, we know that Keenan Allen and Mike Williams are going to miss some games throughout the course of the season. And we don't want to have to have DeAndre Carter running out there. We don't want to have to have a Jalen Guyton, a Josh Palmer, like running out there as a wide receiver one or as a wide receiver two. We need some insurance and they go address that. Uh, Gerald Everett, you talked about him as your breakout candidate. I definitely, you know, I, I read through what you wrote and I was like, you know, is he available in fantasy? And you had him in both leagues that we're in together. So I wasn't able to make that uh, pick up, which kind of sucks. But I think that you're right. He could be in for a big season here. I also think Donald Parham, if he can stay healthy, could even take this job from Gerald Everett. If he gets some chance to shine here, I really think Donald Parham is a solid player. Uh, What do you got on the playmakers here? Yeah, I liked everything you said. You're high on us. I love it. But going back to, like, Quentin Johnston, he wasn't my – well, I wouldn't say first pick. I kind of liked him. I just saw too much of Chase Claypool out of him because he lacks what Mike Williams has in the high point ability. I, if we had to ask him to fill in for Mike right now, he could not. He does yeah, not bring that I same agree. level of intensity at the high point. And his route running is okay. It's mostly stuff set up for Yak. And he can break tackles like no other receiver out there. And luckily – He's behind one of probably the top five route runners in the NFL with Keenan Allen and a guy who can teach him how to use his size and leverage in Mike Williams. 
And I think that's the plan, is to give him a year to develop, because we're going to have to cut one of these two. The cap fits way too much next year, and I think QJ is just a contingency plan. And then I think, realistically, Josh Palmer, who's on the bench right now, he has developed so well in the NFL. He came out of Tennessee. Everybody says that Tennessee's offense does not help develop players at all. And he's become a really solid route runner for what I expected out of him coming from Tennessee in, like, the fourth round. He filled in pretty solidly last year, and he looked like a competent receiver. And knowing the injury history of the other two receivers – He's likely to end up being the second target on the offense if one were to go down, but I don't think he's going to play much if all three are healthy. Just because he doesn't provide you the explosiveness of the other ones. And then, like you've mentioned several times, Austin Eckler, amazing in fantasy. I do think he takes a dip this year just because we are likely to not be throwing as many swing passes and screen passes and quick game stuff as Joe Lombardi wanted to do. stick. I mean, Kellen Moore does some quick game stuff. It's just not to the extent that Joe Lombardi does. Joe Lombardi was going to live and die by the quick game. And it was probably a little necessary once all the injuries started to stack up on the offensive line and for Herbert and receivers, just because it's easier to scheme up something fast. So I can't fully fault him, but come on, man. Step it up a little. (laughs) Like you mentioned at tight end. I like both tight ends this year. Gerald Everett's probably not going to be great on blocking situations. Parham's going to be the guy for that. But Everett is a yak guy. He can fight for yards after contact. We saw it in the Jacksonville game. He was tearing it up. I thought he alone was going to try to put this team on the back, and then we've kind of faded away from him. And Parham, when healthy, is just an absolute monster in the red zone. You can't stop 6-8. It's just impossible you're not going to have a guy who can get up to that you need a guy who can jump out of the gym and then keep body position on him because he's probably going to be in front of you or work his way into it and just jump higher than you i really like what we have at our playmakers position and once jalen guyton's off the pup list which is looking like he might take the first four weeks off that gives you the burner over the top i mean josh palmer runs like a four or five he's pretty solid at deep balls but he's not jalen guyton jalen guyton is the only guy that can truly provide that downfield boomer threat and i i like the group overall it's just knocking on wood there uh injuries because we have a 31 year old receiver with hamstring issues and mike williams who has had one healthy season ever which he broke out mm-hmm. The wood sounded like metal, so I was a little confused. But and it's on a stool, so I was yeah, trying to back uh, up the top. It's a little hollow, but yeah. I mean, I remember telling you yesterday or two days ago, uh, and this was after the Zeke signing. I thought for sure the Chargers would at least make an offer or have a meeting with Zeke Elliott. You know, you're bringing in Kellen Moore here, who spent some time with Zeke. You know, whether Kellen Moore wanted to actually be playing Zeke or not, and whether that was a Jerry Jones calling down, you better put him on the F and field uh, call. That's not really for me to know, but I just this team needs a run like a running running back, like a guy that can eat carries in between the tackles and doesn't let Eckler, you know, especially with his contract situation and everything. I don't think Eckler wants to be eating 200 carries a year, and they've tried to find like an Isaiah Spiller that hasn't really worked out. You got Josh Kelly here as well. I don't think either one of those guys can fill that role. Um, I will say the Jalen Guyton point, like you need, you did need a deep threat. And if he can be that guy for you, that's great. I remember 
like a lot of people or a couple people anyway talked about maybe as a flowers to you if you were going to draft a wide receiver because you needed that like take the top off the defense guy because mike williams and keenan allen really aren't that that's kind of the thing with Zay, though. He's more like the 20, 30 yards downfield, not the guy who's going to run a straight line yeah, and just yeah, beat 40. everybody. I think yeah. that's what we truly wanted was just a guy who can run a straight line and beat everybody. Yeah. And, I mean, hey, Guyton could probably be that guy for you, uh, but definitely one of the best playmaker units in the NFL. If you're excited about the charge, it's because of Justin Herbert and it's because of this group of playmakers here. I mean – it's so we we had the Dolphins who we just did. They were at six. They're right behind the Chargers, and we said like Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddle are the best one two in the NFL. But after that, you're like kind of looking around like is this is the sixth best best group? Here you're looking, and it's a lot more well rounded. You know, you have three legit assets at wide receiver. You have a good running back. You have a tight end who's firmly in that like middling like tight end six through tight end 20 range where it's just like, well, this, you know, he's going to, he's pretty solid. could be the five guy out of yeah. this. Like somebody, yeah. if they have an upside year is going to be six and the rest are going to be like normal. Yeah. Whereas Durham Smythe, you know, we're not even talking about him that positively. So very good group here. Uh, ranking at number five, you can't get not a whole lot much better. You can get than that. So we're going to move on to the offensive line here. And this is one of my favorite groups, really, maybe even in the entire NFL, uh, especially among offensive linemen. I think Rashawn Slater is one of the best young tackles in the NFL. I think having Corey Lindsay is just top four or five center in the NFL. You got Zion Johnson here at guard was the first round pick from last year's draft. You're hoping you can get some more development from him. Guards a position where you're not going to see like immediate talent but there were a lot of people that i listen you know draft analysts and stuff that i follow and respect and they really like zion johnson you got trey pipkins here at tackle uh, as well definitely your weakest spot among this group but even was pretty serviceable last year and then my guy jamari Sawyer. i'm gonna take i'm gonna do my i'm gonna do my lap i'm gonna you know i remember saying that Jamari Sawyer was the biggest deal of the draft in 2022 when you all got him in the fifth or sixth round. Supposedly it was because of some injury stuff. I had him as a day two player. I believe you got him in the fifth or sixth. Something? Sixth. Sixth. I think he was and, our second sixth round pick. And I was like, I, I even told you, I was like, dude, look out for this guy. He's going to be, and I, I really did think that he would transition into guard. And that's kind of what he was going to be. And then Rashawn Slater goes down and Jamari Sawyer steps in at tackle and if you have 95% of sixth-round left tackles, sixth-round rookie left tackles come in for Rashawn Slater, the Chargers don't even make the playoffs. Justin Herbert is dead, and this whole offense is cooked. But Jamari Sawyer comes in, plays very serviceably at left tackle, and keeps really keeps this Chargers season afloat. And I'm just, like, sitting there smiling through it all because I'm like, I caught this. But... Ultimately, I still think he's going to translate well uh, over to guard. He played tackle at Georgia, but was always a smaller guard. Um, just in college, you can play at that height or that size, but can't really play there at the NFL. But moving into guard here, I think he's going to be great. I honestly think that this group could go way higher than 10. I think this could be a top five group by the end of the season. I really, really like this offensive line. Yeah, I feel like we just deal with a little bit of the black cloud over us with like Slater being out last year and it's a recency bias. Like, I don't think the Vikings are better than this offensive line. Darisol and Slater are worst on the same level and then they have right tackle. And then we're better on the interior entirely, I think. 
And then there's a few other teams above it where it's kind of sketchy. Like, they have big names on top where it just looks flashy. But I think we're a little better than probably going up until, like, I think we're better than the Ravens, personally. They're well-rounded, but I think we're better. Last year was rough for us. We had to throw in a bunch of people randomly. Trey Pipkins, our weak link, he was grading, like, mid-upper 60s until week five. Well, he was growing into that by week five. MCL sprain, was he played through it for two months, then missed two weeks and came back, back to the mid-upper 60s region. He's a good tackle when he's in, and he developed a lot more than I thought he would be. I had him as our X factor last year in our write-ups because if we were going to make the Super Bowl run, we needed him to not be a complete liability like I was worried he would be. But he was pretty solid overall. He played better than I expected. And then you got the likes of Corey Lindsley and Rashawn Slater, guys that are top players at their positions. Slater, he was in the 80s year one, and then last year he was still in the 80s, but he played two and a half games. You can't really say much about him. But over the past two years, Corey Lindsley's only allowed nine pressures. Nine pressures. And he missed two games in the middle, I think, if that. He's been an amazing player. And at his age, he's mostly a pass blocker. He's not as brutal up the middle on run blocking anymore. But he's still a definitive top five center, in my opinion. And then we have the young guys on the interior. Sawyer, we'll see how he transitions at guard. I'm optimistic for him because he's one of the strongest guys you're going to get on the interior. He's more of a pass blocker for us last year, but that's because Lank could just get around him when you were trying to do a zone zone rush because he's not the tallest guy. He doesn't have the biggest wingspan, but he can. He's got grip strength out of out of the building. He can just muscle up people as much as he wants. And then Zion Johnson going to his more natural left guard. You put him in between Corey Lindsley and Rashawn Slater, he's going to blossom. And I really think he's our breakout candidate this year. Because towards the end of last year, his grades got better and better and better. He just needs to assimilate to the NFL because it's an entirely different game than what you're used to at college. And he was at Boston College in the ACC. He's not going to see the guys that Sawyer saw, which is why Sawyer probably had a better rookie year. But I think he has the strength power athleticism to make a leap in year two and then we might have found another jamari sawyer i don't think he had an injury bug history but i really like jordan mcfadden once i took a deep dive into him he's got all the capability of being a swing tackle like jamari was intended to be last year and just ended up being a tackle (laughs) which might be necessary knowing our injury history that we have a guy that can fill in a tackle at any time because McFadden, I believe he graded in the 80s every year at Clemson. He was a great tackle. He's just not the traditional length and weight you'd want from a tackle. But he's a great player, and I have faith that he can be a great NFL player if we have to call upon him. Fingers crossed we don't. But it's nice to know we have a safety net for a guy who can play swing tackle. Yeah, and like, I mean... The thing is the health. You know, we talked about it a little bit with Miami, but you knew if you know anything about the Los Angeles Chargers, you knew we were going to talk about it with the Chargers. You've just got to hope that everybody stays on the field, or at least, you know, they can finish the season together or something because you don't, like, Jordan McFadden, while you were excited about, like, we think he'll be a solid player. He's a very good six-man. You don't want to see him starting all the time because you want to have this five on the field because this is a good five. You also have... Uh, all name team guy will clap backing up at center 
who can play starter minutes or like you know starter snaps for you, but you don't want to see that because you have a Corey Lindsley, you have like Rashawn Slater. It's tackle like you can get by with these backups sometimes but this could be a truly dominant offensive line like i said i would not be surprised if we're talking about a top five offensive line at the end of the year but in the same breath i also would not be surprised if we're talking about the 20th best offensive line because these guys are missing snaps and that's really what you're worried about here and what you're hoping doesn't happen if you want to you know again if you have optimism for the chargers it's because of really this offense as a whole i know i keep i think i said it for the quarterback and then i said it for the quarterback and the weapons and now i'm saying it for the quarterback the weapons and the offensive line so we will move into the front seven now um and talk about a group that is one of the most polarizing in the nfl and it has been because for the last god knows how long they cannot will not defend the run. They just, it's been a defect of the system, of the scheme that Brandon Staley runs. He dies by his system, and um, they don't prioritize run defense. Uh, They were third to last in run defense grade. They were dead last in EPA per play uh, on run defense. What was their yards per game? Weren't they third to last as well? We were only 28th against oh, the run okay total yards there you go <laughs> but beat some people yeah let's go dude uh so you're worried you're looking at this interior morgan fox sebastian joseph day also johnson like you're not super excited about anything there the guy that stands out is sebastian joseph day but i think to a lot of people and honestly including myself that's because he played next to aaron donald for a few years and uh, i think that's why he may have got a contract here in la uh but the real prize is in the next level, and it's these edge rushers. It's Joey Bosa. It's Khalil Mack. Uh, Joey Bosa is, you know, a bona fide all-pro level edge rusher when he's healthy. Uh, even with all the good edge rushers in the league, I still think he is a tier below the big four of Micah Parsons. He's never been Nick defensive Bosa. player of the year candidate, so yeah. I wouldn't put him in elite. Mike Parsons, Nick Posa, TJ Watt, Miles Garrett, but then like Max Crosby, Joey Bosa, I think, you know, that's, I'm trying to think of other names that would go in there. Maybe like a fully healthy Zadarius Smith is probably in there. Who else even? Jalen Phillips, maybe? Are we talking about him in that tier yet? I wouldn't say after two years. If he does it again this year, he's probably nearby. But I love putting Crosby next to Joey Bosa because they hate each other. Yeah. And I mean, especially that division rivalry. They do seem like they'd hate each other. Like, just those personalities would clash a little bit. But, and then you got Cleo Mack on the other side. You know, they traded a second-round pick last offseason for him. Wasn't as good as he was in Chicago, but you kind of expected that. Like, you didn't expect Chicago Cleo Mack to come in. And I mean, Chicago Cleo Mack wasn't even Oakland Cleo Mack. Uh, No. This is kind of what he's going to be for the rest of his career. And, like, if you can get this, you're probably fine with it, uh, at least for this year. You know, his cap hit is pretty sizable. So he's probably out of here after this year, uh, in all likelihood, just the level of play you're getting for the amount of that he's taking up of your cap. Not really sustainable, especially when that quarterback thing is about to kick in. And then at the linebacker room, you have a very intriguing linebacker room here, honestly. You got uh, Eric Kendricks, who's a new pickup from Minnesota coming in uh, as a veteran, had a little bit of a down year last year, but has been one of the better linebackers in the NFL for the last few years. Then you also have former first-round pick, Kenneth Murray. Holy crap. Yeah, unfortunately, the same year as Herbert. We traded back in for him. 
Oh, yeah. that's uh, look, We said it with the Dolphins, man. If you're going to hit on one, would you rather hit on Kenneth Murray and completely whiffed on Justin Herbert? I, I think they I think they got that right there. Um, and then you've also got Diane Henley here in the third round was a player that I liked. Um, took a picture with Drake today. Did anybody see that? Was so he's like got a curse out. now. Yeah, he was no, he was like in the Chargers facility. Drake got a signed Diane Henley jersey. Why? There's like twenty players on the Chargers that I feel like I'd be like, oh yeah, I like Diane Henley. But if the Chargers are bringing out somebody to meet Drake, is Diane Henley the first guy? <laughs> really? You got to get the Rangers. You got to get the Rangers autograph. Come on, man. Oh my lord. Oh, and then also uh, Tuli Tulipulu. I Tuli Tulipulu too. Tuli Tuli Pelotu. I knew how to say it. I don't know why. I got stage fright. I'm sorry. Um, he's also going to be off the edge here. Kind of. Maybe. I'll let you talk about that. But he was a second round pick out of USC. And I think we're both excited for him. But I'll pass it over to you. Yeah, I think Tuli's probably going to fill in as a rotational guy. Because they were playing Khalil and Joey Matt. Or Joey Bosa. Sorry. At like historically high rates. They both had like 90% snap share when they were both healthy off the start of the season. So they definitely need to keep their older players a little healthy there. And Tooley's the perfect guy to do it. Talking with, like, Joey in the offseason, like all the reporters have gotten from him is Tooley knows the playbook better than him already. Like, it took Joey a while to get adapted to Staley's playbook, and Tooley's already filled it in pretty well. And he's been impressive so far in most of the camp stuff I've seen. And like you said, linebacker should be improved over last year. I like Drew Tranquil, but... He's more of an asset as a pass rusher. And I think Kendricks fits what Staley wants a little more. He's a little better in coverage situations than he is run defense, which unfortunately he's not better in run defense. But to play in Staley's system, you can't be a pure run defender. You can't be good at run defense. As the inside linebacker, you have to be good in coverage. You can't pick a guy who's solely a run defense specialist. Otherwise, it'd be a complete liability. And then I like Diane Henley as well. He's a guy that I think, if called upon, he might not be amazing year one just because linebackers take pretty much their entire rookie contract. I was about to say three to four years. It takes pretty much the whole four years for them to truly assimilate. And, hey, look where Kenneth Murray is year four, and he doesn't have a fifth-year option. So maybe he'll play just good enough to re-sign for cheap. And then the interior last year, of course, we sucked because we had so many injuries. (laughs) Not if you've heard that, but Austin Johnson – and Otito Ogbonia both went down with the same injury of a torn quadriceps tendon. Then on top of that, Joe Gaziano, and just the list goes on and on. Morgan Fox is a situational pass rusher. Mm, he is not meant not to play against the run. He is not meant for that. And we had to play him in key situations where he had to play the run. Even Sebastian Joseph Day went down at one point last year with a sprained MCL. Ended up having to play through it at the end of the year, but he missed a game for that. And... <laughs> Morgan Fox was on the field for entirely way too many run defense situations than I would care to see. I like Fox as a pass rusher. He had seven sacks. He was a good pass rusher, but I do not want to see him on first down. (laughs) There's no reason why we should have him out there, and we had to. But And Austin Johnson, probably one of the guys I want to highlight on the defensive line, he's kind of underrated in my opinion. If you look at his run defense grades last year, he... The Chiefs game, he had a 50, but he was right around 70 or above 70 up until the Seahawks and then the game where he tore his quads against the Falcons. He was a good run defender. He had 15 run stops at that point. He was far from a liability on this defensive line, and I think 
he's slightly underrated. We paid him a lot more than we probably should have, but he was finding his way and kind of tailed off right before he went down. So it absolutely murdered his PFF grade because he ended on a low and it there was no way to make it up. And then another guy we brought in is just a guy who's familiar with Staley System and Nick Williams. He's just a vet. He's a big guy, big body, solid run defender at this point in his career. And you hope that you get the version of him that they saw last year where he was solid enough to be a good run defender and not the Detroit Lions version where he was graded in the 40s which is a common theme of defensive line for us. But I'm relatively optimistic. We're not amazing on the interior, but that wasn't really the issue last year. The issue was zone runs. I think I mentioned it in a previous episode, like the Steelers one. We had a historically bad run defense grade against zone runs. I think it was close to seven yards per carry on zone runs. And it was obvious once Joey Bosa went down, that that was the glaring weakness because we had to throw Chris Rump on the field. And Chris Rump had like something ridiculous, like a 50% missed tackle rate at some point. He's not good. I don't want to have to see him, but we're going to put him in because we put draft capital into him. He's fast, but never finishes anything he does. He gets to the play and never finishes. It's so frustrating, but they would just run it right at him. <laughs> they would just... He'd miss or he'd get thrown to the ground. And it was just so frustrating to watch them go right at him constantly. I'm pretty sure the Ken Walker run was right at him. The 70-yard one. When we played okay against them the whole time. And then just right down the crapper. I remember that being his own run, too. Yep. It was his own run because that's what Ken Walker does. Right at him. (laughs) And I I actually looked at it. Morgan Fox grades out at a 48.6 in run defense. Not super shocking. Played 218 run defense snaps. Out of necessity. Get that motherfucker off the field. Can't Out do of it. necessity, he's, we did it. He's, he's, not, he's not a run defender. And I mean, that's fine, because there are players that just aren't run defenders. Yeah, like, and I'm sure... God, I'd hope the coaching staff knows that, but you wouldn't know by the amount of time that he's spending on the field on rundown. So I mean, it was him or some guy they signed off the street at that well, point. Yeah. yeah, but I mean... Might have been like better. A, I was going to say, you got like a 50-50 shot. Um, but another group, I don't know, I think you're definitely like getting in my head, but this is another group that I feel you know pretty good about. Uh, especially I think the pass rushers are worth the hype about it. Because yeah. that's a good duo, and we didn't really get to see them and honestly, do anything. Man, I really like the linebackers. I think that's like, honestly, I'm close to like, as far as like where the average person is, I'm much more excited about the linebacker room than I am about the pass rush in comparison. Like, I think that Kenneth Murray, I hate to say it, but I think this might be Kenneth Murray's year. I think this could be it. I think with Kendricks there, I think Kendricks could maybe have a little bit of a career resurgence. That was a super like sleeper signing. It kind of reminded me of when you guys signed Bryce Callahan, like, a little bit later in the process last year. It's just like, oh, he's a free agent. Oh, the Chargers just signed him? Huh. Um, like, very, very low-key. But another good signing for the Chargers. They keep having these busy off-seasons, and you got to feel like at some point it's going to pay off. But we will see. Speaking of big signings, uh, the Chargers secondary. Big signing last year. J.C. Jackson took a dump on the field for two weeks and then got hurt and missed the rest of the season, which is Okay. Because you're hoping, you know, he a terp, 
can uh, get it back together. Undrafted guy, went to New England, played really well in New England. The Chargers signed him to a big deal, didn't play very well, but you hope that he comes back and is healthy. Uh, you've also got Michael Davis here, who was like kind of like a shitter for a long time. I don't know why I'm just like cussing like a sailor all of a sudden. Um, but was not very good for a long time. And then last year, thrust into a bigger role and played really well as a bigger corner. Uh, and then on the flip side of size-wise, you have one of the smaller corners in the NFL, Inosante Samuel, turnover machine. Um, terrible tackler, though, as you alluded to in the uh, – Spotty at that. Before the show? Yeah. And then yeah. One, of my, one of my guys in the NFL, Derwin James um, – it's hard because the safety conversation, at least this offseason, has come down to Derwin or Minka. And I feel like the recency of, like, you know, Minka's been really good lately, and I haven't heard a whole lot from Derwin. I think Minka may have taken the top safety spot. What do you think? Pops? I don't know. I, I think it's just because Derwin was asked to play so many roles that his, like, PFF rating went down because he has to play two different things at once, and it's just chaos for him every week whether what he's going to do or not hopefully there's a little more stability now that we have some people back but he's it's top two it's those two and no yeah. other debate justin simmons is nearby but Jesse i think he's Davis just a notch nearby. below mm-hmm. and okay. back to jc jackson i don't think he ever really got a fair shot last year because he true. had that i was i was an asshole that was wrong with me he had that cleanup surgery before we even truly got going in training camp and had zero time to assimilate to a system that he had never played before, came in in week two, was clearly hurt still, and got absolutely scorched, not knowing assignments, getting burned over the top, took another week off, came back. He still didn't quite look the same, lost in the coverage, still trying to pick up on a team, like, schematically and actively playing it with no time to learn it in between weeks, and then tears his quads on a play where he probably had great coverage i believe was that paul richardson it was some small receiver on the seahawks but he burned him over the top for a touchdown and everybody's like "Ooh, jc got burnt i was like he actively tore his quads in this play how can you say that's his fault yeah i like i was looking for pictures of jc jackson because obviously they were so few and far between i also do not remember you all wearing those navy jerseys last year and that was like the only jersey that i could find jc jackson in he's got he's wearing a freaking warm-up here I, I have not had a jersey on for two players this whole series, and it's been J.C. Jackson, and conveniently, even though he's been in the league for like three years, could not find a good picture of Chase Young wearing the new Commander's uniforms. So he's wearing a warm – I think he's wearing like a cutoff hoodie uh, in the pictures there. But J.C. Jackson in 165 coverage snaps has a 28.1 coverage grade. That's a guy that's lost in the system. That's not like that's not you're not like, talented. That means player. you have you no idea where he's not a good be. player. Yeah, I agree. And I think it gives me reason to believe that he should be better. It's not like he was there all training camp and then graded in like the 40s or 50s because that's just maybe a mix of him not being comfortable yet. But that 20s grade is showing that he didn't know what he was doing there yet. And I think it should turn around a little bit, at least like. I'm expecting at least like a 60s grade, which is an okay cornerback. And that's a lot better than what we would have to do of certain weeks last year. Michael Davis, he's probably one of the more underrated players in this league. I thought for sure we were going to cut him this offseason because he was an Anthony Lynn extension because he got two years, like $18 million, something like that. I was like, what? 
And the $9 million would have helped a lot this year, but now he might get re-signed. We'll see where that goes. Asante, pick machine, like you said yourself. I I could count. Pro- it probably takes two hands to count the amount of dropped interceptions I watched him have last season. He should have had a lot more high-end of variance. He was battling for a spot at slot corner. He's probably our slot slash nickel right now because of how insane he's been at camp. He's had four picks and 16 passes defended. Just insane. Uh, but run defense. He sucks at it. And that's why Jasir Taylor was flirting with the spot. Last year when asked to step in, Jasir Taylor was pretty solid. He graded at a 60, which is not bad for a seventh rounder. He was pretty solid overall. Completely outplayed my expectations. He's a pretty solid player overall. And then the real problem spot, in my opinion, is probably Alohi Gilman who did not practice today and was seen with an obvious limp and did not work with any. So we might be up Shit's Creek at safety, but with Darwin next to whoever they throw in, whether it's Raheem Lane or whether it's JT Woods, who did not play any snaps last year because he could not figure his way out for some reason onto the field, not even to special teams. But overall, it's a good group, and I like... I kind of like our depth. I like just here Taylor being able to fill in its slot, and then we just push Asante to the outside if needed. I think we have just the right amount at corner, but safety is going to worry me next to Derwin because overall, if healthy, knocking on this metally sounding wood again, if healthy, knowing Derwin James, famously known as the player on PFF because they tend to jinx him when they use his name, this is a great unit. The names are all great. Derwin's known for his injury history, but hopefully he's past that. And he was now, mostly healthy, healthy last year, was he not? He had the concussion, which put him out. and Which, I mean, for Derwin James, that's mostly healthy. He absolutely rocked Ashton Doolin, too. And in that time, Alohi Gilman gave me promise those two weeks he was out. I think I did a write-up about him. He graded in the 70s and the upper 80s in the games where he filled in. I think he had an 89 against the uh, Dolphins. 87, yeah. It was up there. He played amazing. It was shocking to me that he could fill in. I think he's just, he's not a good athlete, and he's a guy who knows how to fill a role. And he didn't have a role before. He was just coming onto the field and doing whatever. When he had a week of game plan, he knew what he was meant to do. And I think that's the difference between him and the guys further down on the roster, like JT Woods, who has blazing speed. He's a ball hawk, but he's not quite used to true NFL defenses. He played at Baylor. It's not quite the same. Yeah. And like, I mean, like we said, for every group, really for the last two episodes now, it's about health. You know, JC Jackson can stay on the field. If Derwin James can stay on the field, 100% they can fulfill the seventh rank. But if you're missing one maybe. of those guys, it maybe, yeah, maybe even more. I mean, I feel like to a certain degree, health is baked into our ranking here. Like Derwin James might miss two weeks. You know, JC Jackson might miss two weeks. He, I feel like he had some health problems in New England, but I mean, you've only got one year. He largely year. played through stuff. It wasn't season yeah. ending like it was last year. Yeah. Bill just like smacked him over the head and just like, just get back out there. But um, yeah, I mean, Seventh, you know, they could very well be a top five unit, especially if you can continue to see what you saw from Michael Davis last year and you see what you saw from Asante Samuel. And if you can get the old J.C. Jackson back, I mean, this is the best cornerback room probably in the NFL with Derwin James back at safety. Like, it doesn't get much better than that as far as the secondaries go. But now things are going to get a little bit darker. 
We're heading into the coaching portion, which is the f- lowest group by far on this team at 21st. That face that I've got Brandon Staley at look, making in this picture is pretty much how all people, like you said, all people over 60 look at Brandon Staley when he goes for it on fourth and eight in you know the middle of the first quarter. Um, look, my thing with Brandon Staley is I think the fourth down stuff is fine to a certain degree. Yeah. Like, doing it, your chances to win go up. Like, there's people that get paid way more than me to do, you know, any of this, which is zero. But um, that know, like, yeah, please, (laughs) um, that they're so good with analytics and they realize, you know, your chances of winning are going to go up if you go for it on this play. And when that, you know, nobody talks about it when it works. Granted, in a lot of the primetime games and the games that everybody's watching, it hasn't worked. And that's why it gets, you know, he gets thrown under a lot. The one thing I, I, I'll never forgive him for this was the Browns game last year. Yeah. That was the one where I was like, okay, I get it. No. I get it. Called, use no timeouts, like just completely mismanaged the clock. And that was when I was like, okay, Branch Daly's got something wrong up top. Like he's. Maybe oh, not. Dude, all I wasn't watching the game for that, and I just got bombarded. It was literally fifteen texts. Dude, from I was like spamming. At least I was like seven different people. What the fuck is this guy? Like, what is he doing? What is his problem? Who does that? And like, I again, I told you, I'm perfectly fine with the fourth down stuff. Like, there's obviously a lot of situations where your situate your chances to win go up when you go for it, but your chances to win don't go up when you mismanage the clock that bad. Uh, and, you know, that game costed them some position. I mean, I guess they would have been the fifth seed regardless. Um, and they could have avoided the uh, that happening. But And we could have avoided Jamari Sawyer also getting hurt and Michael Davis also getting hurt and then Joe Lombardi continuing to be an idiot. Yeah, could have avoided that. Uh, but you also bring in Kellen Moore here, who's... Replacing Joe Lombardi, who put together one of the worst offensive play calling seasons in the NFL last season, using Justin Herbert like he's 40-year-old Drew Brees. Uh, You now bring in Kellen Moore, who's coached up one of the best offenses in the NFL in Dallas for the last few years. Like you said, they've been second in points per game in his time there. I mean, that's really all you can hope for is if they can can put together the second-ranked scoring offense – He's getting on, you know, arguably an upgrade here as far as offenses go. You got a good offensive line in both spots. You got good playmakers in both spots, but I think Justin Herbert is better than Dak Prescott, and I don't think there's a single person on the planet that's going to argue that, especially with how low everyone is on Dak right now. But I mean, I feel like there's no way it doesn't go up here. So just talk talk about the coaching staff for me. Yeah, I'll go into Staley a little bit. I, I mean, the implosion. Did you want him fired after this season or after last season? No, he dragged us to ten and seven. Him and Herbert did all they could to get that team to the playoffs, and it was impressive in its own to even get us to a ten and seven record with the laundry list of injuries and season-ending injuries we had. It was impressive, and I give him credit because those last few weeks he really developed. Right around, I think it was around week twelve, he started straying a little more from the traditional Fangio and doing game-by-game game plans. And it worked a lot better. I mean, the four-game winning stretch we had before we clinched right before the Broncos game, 
he was putting on master class. It showed that he actually is a good defensive mind. It's just he was blindly following whatever he wanted to do beforehand. And the fact that he can adjust gives me a lot more promise for this defense this year. I'm hoping that he continues the same strategy, maybe play to what the strengths of the deep, our offense you're about to face is and just game plan to restrict that. Do not blindly sell out and let everybody run up the gut because it's not going to work every time. There's some teams you can afford it against, but not every. Maybe like the Chiefs. That might be the only time where I'd say let him ship away because it's Patrick Mahomes and he's going to kill you over the top eventually. But he's grown a lot as a coach, I think. He's impressed me. I still think he's on the hottest of hot seats. Yeah, I was about to say, I mean, we've – We've gone on a run here where, and this kind of skips over Mike McDaniel, but Robert Salah, uh, Kevin Stefanski, Mike McCarthy, these are good teams with low-ranking head coaches. And if things go poorly here, all four of those guys, I think if all four of those guys don't win a playoff game, I think they're all out. Like I don't, I don't see any world where a playoff appearance is considered a success for those coaches. You know, these are coaches, Brandon Staley's heading into year three. Stefanski's heading into year four, Salah's heading into year four, and McCarthy's heading into year five now. Like, the leash is getting shorter. And, you know, with little – I'm you got one combined – two combined playoff wins among all those coaches. So, I think all four of those guys need playoff wins to keep their jobs. And, quite frankly, you know, doing some math here – there's almost no scenario in which the Chargers, Browns, and Jets all win a playoff game. So there's it's almost a guarantee that one of those coaches, if not more, is fired after this season. Or they're just all the wild cards and beat the two through four seats. <laughs> but then moving on to offense, of course, Kellen Moore, what hasn't been said about him. He led Dallas to amazing offenses year after year, even though he didn't have like an elite quarterback, but he had a quarterback that he could manage with. And he managed to make him look great and got him paid. It helped a lot. And obviously, a lot of these stats aren't including the season where Dak broke his ankle. But when Dak was in, this was definitively a top three offense in his time there. It doesn't matter what the yard per game say. They were just efficient in whatever they did. Didn't matter. He found a way and made it look better than what it was, I think, on paper. And then at the end, defensive coordinator. This is more of just Staley's guy to help hype up the defense. I like Ansley. Everything I see from him, he's a former DBs coach. He is just a rah-rah guy. He gets you going. And that's what you need on defense. You need a guy that's going to inspire people to play better. And that's kind of what he's there for because Staley's not exactly the hypest guy in the room. I just keep looking at this picture, and I'm just like, there's no way that he inspires anyone. No, he's the analytic guy, and then he just brings in Ansley to hype everybody up. <laughs> and that's for sure. Credit to him for realizing, okay, this is not a strength of mine. I need a guy that can do this, and I'm going to use my defensive coordinator since I'm going to be calling a lot of this, doing a lot of the defensive stuff anyway. I'm going to use that. Uh, another thing, just real quickly on Kellen Moore, like I talked about it with the Cowboys and Dan Quinn. Um, I talked about it with the Jets with uh, Nate Hackett. I think there's a world where if the Chargers do not meet expectations this year, 
that Kellen Moore could be the head coach for the Chargers if they let Staley go. I think that's a real possibility. If the Chargers meet or exceed expectations, Kellen Moore's going to be hitting head coach somewhere else. I think that he kind of screwed up by not taking a head coaching job last offseason because those opportunities don't come around very often. Cough, cough, Ben Johnson. Can't believe you didn't take a head coaching offer or any interviews. Um, and Kellen Moore is the reason why, because if you have a down year on offense, then you're not getting any offers anymore. He had to take a lateral move here to the Chargers, which I do think is a nice launching pad into a potential head coaching career. But Maybe slight upgrade. And like yeah. you're saying, like with Staley, if they don't make a playoff run, he's probably gone. And probably the perfect time, because we'll talk about it when we come up to their upcoming seasons and the window and stuff, but <laughs> there's four people on this roster, not named Justin Herbert, accounting for over 50% of the cap, and Joey Bosa, Khalil Mack, Mike Williams, and Keenan Allen. And they are part of the core of this team. Two of them have to be gone, probably, realistically, that we can roster a team. And if Staley doesn't get it done now, it's the best time to start a new page next season if we don't make at least a good run and see that Staley is the guy of the future. And the craziest part about that is it's two edges and two wide receivers. So it's not like you're completely ripping apart one group, but those are two strengths of this team. Like the fact that you have that pair of wide receivers and that pair of edges, you're taking your only, it's probably going to be like, what do you think it's going to be? Joey Bosa and which wide receiver? I think, Keenan, because I think there's more hope for Quentin to hopefully develop a little more on that jump Mike ball Williams, stuff. Then, yeah, yeah, and I think Keenan's got the legacy. Like, okay, you, you know, you've earned this. You know, you earned, yeah. you deserve to be brought back here. So, that's taking away a strength. I mean, maybe Tooley and uh, Quentin Johnson fill in there, and you're, you know, you don't we even skip a beat. We may have we'll drafted see. the contingencies. We'll see. Because we'll Mac's probably the one gone, and then I think Mike's probably the one gone. Yeah. He'll be and credit to Telesco. Credit to Telesco for part for targeting those positions of like, okay, two years from now or one year from now, we're not going to have these guys. Let's use my first two picks on contingency plans at these positions. And guys, Thule, we we didn't really talk about with the front seven, but one of his biggest successes was him rushing, uh, like being used as like an off-ball linebacker, just a rush linebacker, not off the edge and rushing him up the middle. And they can do that with Khalil Mack and Joey Bosa on the field. And then you can also use Quentin Johnston while you've got Keenan Allen and uh, Mike Williams on the field. So again, credit to Lesko, credit to the Chargers, round of applause uh, for getting contingency plans that can help you right now. Uh, we're going to move into the schedule now where we have these 12th ranked strength of schedule. Uh, the over-under is set at nine and a half wins for like the sixth straight team now. Um, colorful scale. I mean. Middle. Yeah. It fits 12. It does fit 12. <laughs> it fits their actual strength it, of schedule. It, it There's a few bright 12. colors on here and then just kind of bleh outside. Yeah, true. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know how to feel about this one. Middle. I don't know what to say here. I think it's a middle tier color scale, if yeah. you ask me. You got a few bland ones. We get the Raiders twice. Obviously, that's going to knock it down. Mm -hmm. And then and the, the Cowboys. Cowboys are silver, too. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's a middle ground one. I mean, yeah. Jets and Packers that doesn't really pop. I could have made the Cowboys. Maybe we are man. in the better part of the – maybe yeah. we are in the better part of the color scale. Yeah, let's go. LFG. Um, but nine and a half wins, though. Uh, again, we've been on a nine and a half win run here. <sighs> I'm not going to allow gonna... you to say, huh? Go, go ahead. You're not allowed to say over. Nobody's allowed to hype up the Chargers in the offseason because that always strikes doom for us. 
Okay. You can well, wink if you want to say over, but you have to say under legally. Okay. But um, I'm going to say over. I think we have what it takes to get it done. I This isn't the most daunting schedule. We have rough games intermingled in here. But overall, our division seemed a lot easier than it does coming into last year. And we have some reasonable scheduling, if you ask me. Yeah, I mean, 12th, you're not, like, terrified a lot of that stems from the division that you're playing in and the division in the AFC that you're playing. You're playing the AFCs, which is what the AFC West was last year. Um, I hate to do it. I think I'm going to go under. And, <laughs> and it's because there is a humongous black turd that just hangs over. I thought you were talking about a player. I was about to say, what <laughs> No. <laughs> I, well, I was going to say Black Cloud, but then I wanted to like add some more effect. <laughs> so I said, turn. <laughs> not talking about a player because that's a bad idea. Um, and I don't think of that about any of the players on the Chargers. I've been very, uh, very happy about the Chargers roster. But there's a ginormous Black Cloud following the Chargers roster. And I just, I, we had them at second last year. If we all remember. And it felt right. Like, I was like, okay, they went out and they got J.C. Jackson and Khalil Mack. And the offense is still intact. And they went out and they got Zion Johnson in the draft. There's a good offensive line. Good weapons. Good front seven. Good secondary. Fantastic quarterback. And injuries and a bunch of other things. Just bad things happen to the Chargers. There's a a term and it's called chargering. (laughs) And it's like, just shit happens. And... It's there for a reason. That's the giant turd. <laughs> that is the giant, and that is exactly what I'm talking about when I say that there is a giant turd. The shit that has happened has accumulated over the stadium and made a giant turd. Yes, the the t- the the top of the stadium is just going to be a big brown blob of poop on top of the stadium that makes the whole city smell, and they have to clear it out before the Rams games. This is getting so weird. Is there a re- is there like is that an actual method of they do it every other week? Because there's they have an array game every other week. I'd need to like go compare this with the Rams schedule. I have, there's probably a lot of coordination on, done. I've seen the same way, home, way, home, way. Yeah, but I think I'm gonna go under, and not because I don't think this is a good roster. I think this is a great roster. I think this is a fan. I think this is a Super Bowl roster. You're just bad impending doom. I I know, and I just I don't want to get burned. I want everybody to not feel like they're going to get burned and be safe and just say under yeah, because I'm going once everybody's go off the bandwagon of saying we're good, then maybe we'll actually be good. You need to trade Herbert to the Steelers for Kenny Pickett, and then everybody will cool off on the Chargers. That's what needs to happen. I got to say, at least it's not like the clear and obvious players are going to get injured like on the Dolphins, like what we mentioned with yeah, Armstead. Yeah, and the thing is, it's not like these guys really outside of Derwin and, I mean, I guess to a little bit Khalil Mack. These players don't have injury his and Keenan Allen too, but they don't have like big injury histories. Like it's not like Tua where you're like, oh, what's going to happen with Tua? Is he going to get hurt? It's like Teron Armstead. Oh, is Teron Armstead going to get hurt? It's not like the Dolphins with Jalen Ramsey where there's already somebody that has a season-ending injury. Imagine if they were walking into the season knowing that Derwin wasn't going to be there until December. Like that would really cool them off. It's just shit happens to the Chargers. 
that doesn't happen to the other 31 teams, and that's why I have to fade them. And maybe I'm doing you a favor, and this is not me doing this for a bit. I'm just really worried about the Chargers, and the roster's great. Because things are too bright right now. The quarterback's great, and it's too great that God has to bring them back down. So... I'm going to go under, and we're going to move on to the rankings. We have a very nice group of rankings here with the offense at six and the defense at nine. That was so fucking shitty. I'm so sorry. I'm dude. We're going to get (laughs) we're going to get our unmonetized channel demonetized. But we have the championship window as open, but we have it as closing fast, and it's because of what you said. Where you know four of the cornerstone pieces on this team, among Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, Joey Bosa, Khalil Mack. Two of those guys are gone after this season. So, like you put it, as it's open this year, but if it's not, if it doesn't happen this year, you probably got another two to three years before you're back in it again. And it's kind of hard to say that when you have Justin Herbert as your quarterback. Like when you have a top four quarterback, you feel like you're in a championship window every year. But things happen to the Chargers, and you kind of need the you kind of need the uh, deck stacked for you. For to be able to overpower that, and it kind of feels like they have that right now, but it who knows if that's how it's going to be afterwards. I, I don't know. Do you are you obviously you're in step with that analysis of if it's not this year, it's not for a little bit, it's probably a little, uh, yeah. I mean, we also had to change it because that was like a full sentence to describe it, and <laughs> it doesn't quite click the way closing fast says. I mean, in reality, when you have Justin Herbert, it's always going to be a little bit cracked. It's going to be like what we talked about with the Seahawks. There's always going to be that glimmer of hope. The door's always open, but it's just a matter of how open. Like, I know we did, like, the circle analogy, but now we're just looking for, like, these teams, the rest of these teams on, it's an actual door. And, like, there's, like, the sun shining through it, and it's, like, really, it's really cool looking, but... With Herbert, it's like always like this much open. Right now, it's probably like this much open. I don't know, like in. It's probably one of those like automated door. doors that closes on its own. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like slightly moved, and we have to run through it. <laughs> yeah. So it, it needs to be this year, and because it's starting to close. Like as crazy as that is to say, on a team that just really got to like the point where you're like, okay, this is a championship team. It's already starting to close because of how many vets and how many big cap hits are on this roster and the fact that Justin Herbert just got his big deal. We're two years away from that kicking in, and that makes team building a heck of a lot harder. Uh, How do you feel about the offense at six and the defense at nine? I feel like both have chances to go up. Like We've only mentioned bright spots so far, and I feel like most of the thing holding us back is injuries in the past. That's kind of levying us, and like with – like I mentioned on the offensive line, people forgetting how good Rashawn Slater was probably tanked our offensive line to 10. And then we have four and five at quarterback and playmakers. Realistically, it could be top five at both. But at the same time, it's Staley's inviting defense, so you can only go so high. We still had great pass coverage last season, but the run defense was rough, obviously. Inviting defense was a perfect way it's, to put that. It's a very inviting defense. Like, just come up the middle. It's here for you, but we don't want you to do anything else. You can have that, but that's all we'll do. <laughs> but it was also kind of torched in the middle. We went through constant injuries, and it just got worse in, like, the middle of the season once everything peaked, and we had to put together makeshift rosters to even have a valid roster up the middle. 
I think it's going to be a lot better than last year in terms of run defense, but that's not saying shit. <laughs> I think the talent on there is definitely good enough. It's top 10 worthy. And if Staley can develop himself as a week-to-week game planner and not have to live and die by the Fangio-style defense, he can truly get this team to top 10 and prob- maybe even further. This could be a very good unit on both sides, and I think if there's a lot of ifs, that this can all come together, we can compete with the Chiefs and then hopefully make our run. Oh, and yeah, we, I mean, we always compete with the Chiefs. It's just we always have that one fatal flaw at the end of Kenneth Murray not being able to tackle. Yeah, I mean, and that's it every year, is it not? It's Kenneth Murray cannot tackle. But I mean, you can't tackle. It's always Travis Kelsey breaking off 40-yarders somehow when Kenneth Murray was the first guy on him. Yeah. It's like without fail. I can vision that in like three different like games too. Um, but like roster-wise, I've said it like 100 times now. Roster-wise, this is a team that can hang with the Chiefs. They can hang with the Bengals. They can hang with the Bills. They can hang with the Eagles. Any team that you name, they're right there. Like Honestly, they might have as good of a roster, like more well-rounded than the Chiefs, than the 49ers, and a few of the teams ahead of them. They're more well-rounded. It's just, like you said, there's the black turd. Black turd. I really hope that that is never taken into a uh, like cut down and do like a small clip, because um, I might get uh, kicked out of college. So that's fun. Um, but yeah, that's going to do it for us before things get even worse here. Um, thank you guys for watching. Do the uh, subscribe, like, comment thing. Um, we'll be coming right back at you with number six. I'm not going to tell you who the number six team is this episode because, you know, there's no reason for me to. But it's going to be a fun one, just like all of but them we, are. But we will spoil for you guys. In the fantasy draft coming up, Jaden Kozak will be taking at the number three overall selection hey, in about 15 oh, minutes from now. Oh, that, oh, I'm not going to see it. Oh, yeah. Bijan well. Robinson. Ouch. <laughs> Uh, yeah, they're not going to see it, but I'm a Bijan lover. If anybody, if any of the people in the league would watch our stuff, they would know I'm going to take Bijan. That's going to happen. Mr. 2000 rushing yards in his like rookie fully, season with four backs. I think I'm like fully prepared to just go down. Like if he gets hurt, all my fantasy teams are cooked. And I'm I'm totally fine with that. I've been there before. Yeah. But I think I'm I not... took Saquon in like three leagues the year he tore his ACL. That was a dark year. I'm just going to send you the money as soon as he gets injured and go bury myself on my pillow. But that's going to do it for us, guys. Uh, appreciate you watching, and we're out of here. Peace.